This is Actualize Freedom, straight talk on growing clicks and conversions on Amazon FBA from people doing it every day. Now here's your host, digital marketing acrobat, Danny Kenji Carlson. What's up, my Freedom Actualizers? So I have put together something really valuable for you. I just sent an email to all 65 plus of the past Actualize Freedom podcast guests just asking if they could put together a special deal just for you guys with their softwares, with their courses, whatever they're offering. There's a lot of people out there who have really valuable Amazon software that we talked about. There's some courses out there that some of these courses have been made just for you guys or are 50 to 70% off. Um, Some of them are completely free. So this is all of the best exclusive offers only for the Actualize Freedom podcast from the podcast guests themselves, from the masters themselves. So to get this, guys, just go to actualizefreedom.com. You'll see right there on the homepage where you can go and get that list. So this is exclusive offers just for the Actualize Freedom podcast listeners like yourselves from the guests themselves. So go check that out, actualizefreedom.com. What's up, guys? Danny Carlson here. It is real bright and early Bally morning, and I am sitting here with Quinn Amarim. He is back in my home country of Canada, and uh, you know, I, this is the time of year where I really like being over here in Bali instead of Canada. But uh, Quinn just got a brand new crazy computer with 64 gigabytes of RAM or something ridiculous like that. So, uh, we had. Yeah, there's going to be no lag on this interview. We have no worries of that whatsoever. So welcome to the podcast, man. How's it going over there in Canada? Thank you, Danny. Oh, man, it's going fantastic. As you can see out my window, it's snowing, of course. it's uh, There's a lot of snow out there and about probably, it's still not too cold, but minus, minus four or five yeah, Celsius. Yeah, I mean, that's a Canadian's version of not too cold. So, you know, for you <laughs> Americans out there, that is below freezing temperatures and there is snow on the ground. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> excellent. So the first thing I want to touch on here is how you tested email follow up to find the best conversion rate for reviews. So I know a lot of people, they have a lot of concern right now with, you know, Amazon mm. follow up emails and there's, you know, people getting suspended for saying the wrong thing in their Amazon follow up emails. And it's, but at the same time, it's really important to get the highest conversion rate possible on your reviews so that, you know, a a typical review rate might be 4% or something like that. Um, How can we make it better? All right. So uh, at the time, at the time of the the interviews or depending when people listen to this, things may have changed now with that new review button that Amazon just put in a couple of days ago. So it may or may not kill email follow-ups. But that's something that I tested a lot. And like we spoke before, outside of Amazon, I I never do much or if anything with email. But in Amazon, I did a lot of testing. And the the main thing that I figured out was not even the, uh, the open rate, it was the reply rate. I wanted to be replied to in order to start a conversation because if somebody replies even if it's just anything now you can you can reply to them again so uh even if amazon puts in the rule of only contacting the customer once now if the customer replies you can also you can always reply back to them and that's what we started testing with and there's a lot of tests of course the the subject was very important and 
I'll even tell you one one that stuck and we use often is about your Amazon order, right? So, uh, mm. and then we put three dots. So about your Amazon order, dot, dot, dot. And it kind of- It seems very important. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot of sense. And and then in there, we tried with all different things. So the subject we worked out that that would have been one of the best that we had because it creates a little bit of intrigue. Like, what about it? And then we tried everything. We wanted engagement. So there's always questions in there. And one of them uh, started coming back with replies all the time. And it was just a couple lines, no review request, no feedback request. And it was a subject that said about your Amazon order, dot, dot, dot. And then inside was, and we first started with the client's name and we can't use that anymore. But at the time that we tested this, we could, and it would be like a, and then open brackets, client's name, whatever. So it'd show up a Danny. Uh, I just want to make sure that you're still at and then client's address, right? And that was it. And it would end there. And when the person would receive that email, they would feel like maybe this didn't ship yet. They need to know the address to confirm before they ship it. And uh, they will all start replying. Oh, yes, that is correct. That is correct, right? Normally. And, and now that you got a reply from them, we would go and Hey, glad to know. Uh, just to be clear, the product is already on the way. I hope you love it. Um, let me know when you get it. So um, if everything was okay or whatever, let me know when you get it. And now that you already talked to them a couple of times, uh, people are more likely to uh, actually contact back and say, um, hey, I did get the product. Everything was great. It was fantastic. And then manually, the VA would go and ask for a review to those people. And it would, hmm. it would do a couple things. One, it would filter if anybody was unhappy. Of course, uh, we wouldn't request a review if they were unhappy. We would fix their problem, of course. But by doing so, you're not breaking any rules because you aren't requesting your review and saying, if you are happy, leave me a review. If you're not, contact me, right? We would just only ask a review for those that we assumed were already having a good experience. Yeah, and to be clear, what you what you just mentioned is against Amazon Terms of Service, yes. right? If you if you are putting that language in your emails that hey, if you are happy, leave a review. If you're unhappy, contact mm -hmm. support. Um, explicitly against Amazon Terms of Service, right? Absolutely, yes. So that's why we we don't do that, but we can somewhat filter because if I send you an email. And, and for some reason you are unhappy with the product and I send you an email and say, Hey, Danny, are you still, are you still living in Bali? It, you're not going to reply. Oh yes. My address is correct. You're going to say something like actually at that time, they don't even say anything yet, but when they do reply saying that they received the product, if it was effective, they're going to let you know right away. If they're unhappy, those are the ones that are most vocal as somebody unhappy, right? They're going to let you know that your product sucks. And uh, of course we fix that, but don't ask them for a review. And yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I, I tested one more thing and that one was a, a little bit hard because we needed a huge amount of data to be able to, 
to notice the difference. And it was who signs it. We tested that and a female name on this uh, on the signature, right? Always had a bigger reply rate than if I, if you signed with a male name. If I sign like, okay, uh, thank you very much, Bob. It had a smaller reply rate than if it had a female signature like Annie. And that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love what you're saying here too, because I can just see in my own psychology, how I typically respond to emails and everything like that, mm -hmm. that this is just really spot on with the way I behave as well. Like for some reason, I think there's a human need to want to reciprocate. Like if you have some kind of open conversation with someone, even if it's some company that is just like trying to get me to buy something or just like some email thread that I don't really want to respond to you, I feel obligated to you. Once there's been a few back and forth, you know, even if even if it's someone I really don't want to engage yeah. with, I still will send a response to that email, right? So it's it's a very interesting tactic, just getting that conversation back and forth. And now now like these people feel obligated almost to to uh, respond when you send another email. Yeah, you know, I actually I got that from uh, Russell, Richard Brunson from uh, ClickFunnels. Uh, it, it, he called it the micro commitment. And when somebody does a, a little step like that, a micro micro commitment, then they're, it's easier to get them to take a bigger step. So that's why I tried implementing that. And it was like, it worked like, like magic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Russell, Russell Brunson, Brunson is great. I've read a bunch of his books and uh, I've taken a few courses from him. Actually, he's a really high level marketer and he's great. I would just caution people that, you know, it's great to learn marketing from him, but ClickFunnels, his software, um, just keep in mind that he is one of the best digital marketers in the game, in my opinion, and he's applying his own digital marketing skills to make ClickFunnels seem like the be-all, end-all product out there. And I can tell you right now that paying $100 a month for ClickFunnels software does not have the value that it promises, right? If you have, you know, WordPress, as long as you can reasonably do WordPress, there's things out there for like $50 one-time fee that can do everything ClickFunnels can just as easily. So, I mean, I'll just mention that, you know, ClickFunnels, it's a great software, but um, he hypes it up a lot and $100 a month price point is just a little bit, uh, you know, it's not really worth the value in my opinion. Yeah, oh man, I was uh, I was laughing as you were saying that for for two reasons. One, because I said uh, Richard Richard Brunson, and I was conf uh, confusing with Richard Branson, but no, it was uh, Russell Brunson. And and then you are one hundred percent right because I do have the WordPress one time fee, and I think it was sixty dollars, so fifty US, that's like sixty Canadian, and it's a one time fee. And it does the same thing. It's all drag and drop. I build my funnels in WordPress and I I own it. I own it. There's no more fees for, for life and I could do the exact same thing. Yeah. It's Profit Builder. That's excellent. Is that the same one? Profit Builder yeah. is called. Okay. Uh, no, I use um, I use um, Elementor is called. It's just mm -hmm. like very similar layout to ClickFunnels. It's all drag and drop and makes it very easy. But yeah, like you said, it's a one-time fee of less than $100 instead of $100 per month. And it's just exactly the same thing. You can set up like just as easily. Um, and there's less limitations with the WordPress site too. WordPress has quite a few limitations. It's, it, you know, mm -hmm. it makes it very simple and easy all in one place. But you, if you want to do other things, you know, WordPress site is not limited really by anything. Um, you can do anything you want on a WordPress site. Yeah. 
Um, so again, that is Profit. Um, what is that one called? Profit. Yeah, Profit Builder. WP, which is Profit WordPress. Builder. WP Profit Builder. It's a one-time fee. Uh, it's like sixty bucks or whatever for for life, and you can use it on. You can have fifty licenses, so you can have fifty sites with different licenses uh, running that Profit Builder. And the templates are pre-designed. They are just like ClickFunnels. You can have. Uh, and they're included, right? They're included as well. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, for that price point, maybe I'll just have to try it out. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so with these emails to you, my kind of final question there, um, do you have any numbers on how much you increased, increased your review rate from these optimizations that you did? Uh, I, don't, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I... I have a rough number of almost seven percent, if I'm not mistaken, Danny. And this started with wow. Yeah, I started with like I, I believe like a one point three percent when we first started it, right? Uh, now, and that is after open rate. So I don't do not, and this in this aspect, when you're looking at those, it's a hundred emails open, seven percent. Um, review rate because out of those, if you just send a hundred, there's a good chance that uh, thirty or forty of them are not even opened, right? That's that's a different thing. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense because yeah, now Amazon customers can opt out of receiving mm-hmm. all seller emails, right? Um, do you have any idea of what the order to review rate is in in your scenario? Uh, I don't. Uh, that's something I could uh, I could probably look it up and and let you know. But there's actually a cool stat that I wanted to let you know about the open rates, the general open rates. And for example, I know that something, an open rate of 30 or 40% in, in anything is actually really, really good. In Canada, and you yeah. know, they always <laughs> say that Canadians are, are nice. Of course, in, Can- in Canada, sales volume are a lot, a lot lower than in the U.S., but at one point, I had 98% open rate in Canada. Like, people were so nice. Oh, <laughs> they goodness. were opening everything. <laughs> and, and that was so cool. And at the same time, even though the market was, I don't know, uh, between 5-10% of what the, the Amazon US is, I was getting more replies from those uh, because if there was a question in there, people would answer it. It would be like, hey, was the product okay? And they would reply, yes, it's fine or not. And uh, (laughs) so there was actually a lot more trouble or work, I mean, to answer Canadian emails with 5% of the sales than it was to answer all the US sales. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, there was actually one subject line that really worked for us recently. Um, It's actually not in the context of Amazon, it's in the context of our agency, Kenji ROI. And um, Phil, the sales guy, came up with this one. The subject line was, can we close your file? Question mark. And it's funny, we actually had a sales call this morning with a, a new potential client of ours, and he was he was mentioning this. It's like, yeah, that email line like really caught my attention. I was like, wait, like what what file do I have open with this company? Like I don't I don't have a, I don't have any file or it is account, I believe it was. Oh. Can we close your account? And then so it, it totally it's been working quite well, and especially on this client, he just told us exactly why it worked. He's like thinking in his brain now, like, wait, I have an account with this company. 
but then after he's thinking that, then he's actually looking at what we're offering, and then we got on a sales call, right? So it's uh, mm-hmm. tweaking around, getting inside the psychology of your target customers can can really increase your results when it comes to email. Very interesting stuff. Yeah. Uh, and there is another really interesting kind of provocative thing that you say is that you do not believe in experts that focus on ACOS. So, you know, quickly for those people who don't know what um, ACOS means, uh, maybe a quick little overview of ACOS and then why don't you believe the the experts that focus on ACOS? Because there, there are tons of them out there and everyone preaches, get the low ACOS on Amazon, you know, it, it make profitable sales and everything. Mm-hmm. So just explain a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. So that, that, of course, that has two sides, but first is ACOS is the advertising cost of sales and in really simple terms is what percentage of your sale that you used to generate that sale. So for example, if you sold an item for, for a hundred dollars, but it's spent, you spent 20 bucks to get that sale. So your ACOS is 20%, uh, which in Amazon ads. Yes. And yeah. in, in Amazon and outside of Amazon, you deal with uh, ROIS, which is the return of ads. So ROAS return of ad spend. And that is a, multiplier of what you spend. For example, a, a 5X means that you spend $1 and you made five. So you spend a thousand bucks, you made 5,000. Uh, on Amazon, a 20% ACOS is nothing, is not bad, right? A lot of people are trying to focus on, uh, I actually see some screenshots on Facebook, you probably saw people with three, four, 5% ACOS. And don't get me wrong, those are are good. But when I see something like that, I know that you're missing out on a lot of sales. And one of the most important things is there's ACOS on display ads that I, I consider the lowest possible is the best because display ads are just bringing me sales. They're just bringing me sales and I want those to be profitable. When it's PPC, they're also bringing me ranking, right? Because the the algorithm wants conversion rate. Now, if if the conversion rate on PPC for the word Bluetooth speaker uh, is high, I'll become relevant to that search term, and I rank higher for that search term. So, PPC doesn't all doesn't only get me sales; it also gets me ranking. So, I do sometimes if the product is already launched and already is in a very high position, now it's time to focus on the ACOS and make sure that the profits are there because that, that's of course very important. That's why we do this is to get profits. But for a lot of products that are not at that stage, the, I use PPC in my case as, as a ranking factor. Of course, we're gonna generate sales with, from them and if those sales are at break even or close to profit, I mean, that's a plus, right? But if we're focusing on the ACOS, I believe that that product that has the 4% ACOS more than likely is a second page product. That, that, that's my belief because if, if it's on the, I mean, unless it's one of those that has the social proof that we all want, the, the 10,000 five-star reviews, right? And it's the first one above the fold when you type in Bluetooth speaker. And if there's one that has five-star reviews, 
uh, right? It's the first three are sponsored. So the fourth one that shows up on the page, if I see five star 10,000 reviews, I'm buying that one too, of course. So that one there uh, has, has all the relevancy. Therefore, the ACOS for that product is going to be better because their pricing is better because Amazon also works with relevancy as, as a pricing factor. If you're not relevant to a Bluetooth speaker, if you're selling an onion, uh, you can get a couple clicks to it, <laughs> but it's, you can spend 10 bucks or 20 bucks in clicks to your, to your onion and uh, you're not going to generate a sale if you do. <laughs> what if it's a Bluetooth onion, though? You know, you collect, mm. connect your Bluetooth onion to your cell phone, and every time that you need to water your eyes and cry a little bit, you can just like it, connect it, and it instantly will start crying. Yeah, that would be a good option, actually. That may be a good a good idea, Danny, to create a product. New product idea. You guys heard it here. So that is the next trendy thing out there, Bluetooth onions. You guys heard it first on the Actualized Freedom Podcast. Yeah, you could have them next to your garlic press in your kitchen, and you're listening to music through that Bluetooth onion. That's a great idea. <laughs> it's right up there with like Donald Trump cell phone cases. They're going to be rich overnight. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah, that's very interesting what you're saying. Um, I would love to hear where is the line for you when it comes to ACOS? Like, are you overly aggressive and you're willing to lose a certain amount of money on product sales in order to gain the keyword ranking on specific keywords? Or, or, or where is the line for you when you're deciding how, how much ACOS is too much ACOS? Uh, during the launch, it doesn't it doesn't really matter too much, right? And and that's like say week one of the launch. Even if the launch is going to be two or three weeks, or honeymoon stage or whatever, uh, the first week it's going to be a loss. There's I have no doubts, right? I, we're talking about sometimes three or four hundred percent, and and there's some people that 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 just blows their mind. But I rather lose what's going to be, let's say four or 500 bucks, uh, depending on, on, uh, on your category, right? Not if you're, if you're talking about supplements, it's not going to be 400 bucks, but if I can throw away a figure of speech four or 500 bucks, uh, loss, uh, right. Uh, this is below the product return that I'm going to get, but if I can get good ranking, of course, this is done in combination with other things, right? Uh, so we have a pre-launch with uh, some uh, influencers, social media influencers, Instagram influencers, YouTubers. That's kind of the pre-launch that's gonna help a little bit of social proof of uh, externally. And then on Amazon, when these people come and visit, they already have an idea why this product has really low reviews because this influencer already told their followers that this is brand new, right? So now when you go to Amazon to look for something that is brand new, you already know that in comparison to the old one, it is, is gonna have less reviews. So it kind of helps when it comes to that. Uh, and then back to the ACOS, um, I almost got lost there. Uh, back to the ACOS, during that first, the first week, it can go two, three, 400%. Then of course we start uh, bringing it down, and that along the the rebates, uh, the combination of all of these, we start generating um, 
a higher a higher conversion some reviews right of course we sign up uh for the what do you call those five reviews that we can get from amazon for 60 bucks uh early early review pro program so any brand new product we sign up for that so uh so amazon can can help out with those uh and of course we also use uh people that we got from our pre-launch we also ask them to go to go and and do this review and and sometimes we try to get the influencer to to mention the product name and not put a link we tried that let's say a find for a search find yes, buy for example find yeah. this on amazon here's the name and we put particular name that uh, we want the person to search for in like um in quotations and no link so they don't have to click on, on anything and uh, just because um most of the influencers are on instagram and the only links that are clickable are the links on the bio and there's a higher percentage of people that see a post that do not go to the bio right so we do that and it helps of course with search find buy and uh to a certain extent although not measurable we cannot measure that that's the only issue yeah i mean that's the problem right is that yeah it's impossible to measure something mm -hmm. like that but if people actually do take action through that then it will have the most powerful effect on your keyword ranking right so yeah, it definitely makes sense and that's something i recommend to people as well as part of a launch strategy like search find buy i think is is great but it's it's very unlikely you're going to get enough people to actually follow through yeah. with any kind of search find buy strategy um, with without some other kind of strategy that it has less friction because asking people to click on one link and fill in their email address is hard enough <laughs> let alone like hey like type in this exact phrase in amazon scroll to page two and click my product and purchase it it's just like it it sounds like such a little amount of of things to do but the internet will take your take your attention and just rip it off to you to Instagram or some other place in a split second. Yeah. Right? Uh, a quick note to that too, Danny. If you're going to do search find by, uh, like we did without a link, there's um, lessons learned the first time you did it. Uh, we did it, for example. Make sure the picture of your product is very different than your competitors. Because first time we did one of those, people went back to the influencer and they commented, hey, I got mine, I got mine, mine is on the way. Well, we measured the amount of people that said that. And of course we can't, we don't know if it's true or not. They're, they're just comments, but we did not generate near the amount of replies that people said they bought it. So we figured either two things happened. They were telling the influencer they bought it when they didn't, or they bought the wrong one, right? Because our image was not clear on the picture that the influencer posted our image if you looked at it in, i mean to us our image is different because we see it every time and even before we launched it you already saw that image uh, you know every single day for the last two months but for for somebody else that's just searching for a product on amazon they type that name if you're not the first one to show up for that search term they're going to buy one by mistake and that probably happened the first time so we have to correct that 
Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. And another thing I'd add to that is Amazon, in most cases I've seen, is no longer putting the brand name on the search results page, like that, you know, the actual um, brand name that you put under your product. And so putting it at the start of your title, especially in that case, is probably a good idea. Yeah. I don't recommend this for all products to have your brand name at the start of the title, especially uh, brands that have like really long brand names. I think it's a bad idea to put it at the start. But in this case, if you're doing a search find buy, you probably should just at least for that have it right at the start of your title. Yes, unless unless you have a a non-brand registered mark, like you know those everything stores that I had one of those too, where you sell every kind of product. So as as the um, you can put any name you want as your brand because you're not brand registered for that particular item. The only issue you're going to have is that you can get hijackers and that happens often. But you can name your brand what you want the search term to be, right? So if you are selling, um, let's say, for example, a Blue Yeti microphone, if you're selling the Blue Yeti microphone, you could name your product, and this is just a random example, uh, we are Blue Yeti. Uh, LLC, right? And although that LLC doesn't exist, that brand name doesn't exist, you can name it and that actually gets indexed. And it plus, if you put it on your title, that is your brand name. And of course it gets indexed. Uh, I said, of course, but not, not everything is that simple, but it, more than likely it will. Yeah. Yeah, uh, certainly a good trick. Uh, speaking of good tricks, you also have a really random way of doing product research with helium tent filters. Tell us a little bit about that. All right. So, uh, I mean, this is not a sales pitch to to a helium ten. I do think this tool is fantastic. There's like uh, completely honest here, Danny. I love helium ten, and I go through uh, through it to everything. I track keywords i tracked them by the hour to know what position i was uh, you know an hour ago where they are now to see if certain things are working uh, so I, I use that but in this particular thing for for example for this everything store if you're looking for any kind of product that has high demand and low competition like everybody wants but is not really connected to an existing brand, right? So if you're selling supplements, you don't want to be selling uh, ping pong rackets in, in the exact same store. For anybody else, you can go, and what I do is pick any random product, anything you can, you're can you looking at. You open Amazon and see featured products, pick one, copy their ASIN. I go to Helium 10 and I do a reverse ASIN search. And I don't care what this product is. So I'm going to do a reverse search, uh, ASIN search. And this, uh, by doing this, it's going to give me every single keyword that this product ranks for organically or sponsored, right? So if they're sponsored or organic, it's going to show up. Some products can have, let's say, 30,000 keywords. Now they have an option where you can put all those keywords in a descending order and I click on that and I put them on a descending order. The number one keyword that shows up is going to have a super high search volume. Now, most of the times that very, very high search volume keyword is not even rele uh, relevant 
to the product that you entered in the first place. Just randomly there, uh, you know, on page 100 for that product, right? But they are indexed, so it shows up there. Now I grab that search term and just whatever it is, I go put it on Amazon and do a random search because I already know the, the demand is there. Now this product has, or this search term has a very high demand. And I search it, sometimes there's random things that show up. And then Helium 10 has an option right on the left side of the search volume that is their, uh, what do they call it? Their IQ score, the IQ score. And that's the, the difference between the demand and the number of competitors that are targeting that particular keyword. So when you see a number super, super high, that means we could be looking at a brand name. It could be a patent or a trademark term. That means there's very low uh, amount of people um, that are indexed for that particular keyword. So we skip those and then go, It's like I said, it's a bit random, but we do that over and over until we find the products that are going to give us those 70% success chances. I don't know if you, if you use Helium 10 Chrome extension, it gives you, uh, same as a Jungle Scout, I guess, gives us the same too, the Pro Edition, the success, odds of success by launching one of those products. And by doing it randomly, I believe that uh, I'm bypassing what every other person out there is doing because they all take the same courses and they all figure out the same way of doing uh, finding products and eventually everybody's going to find the same product and we're all going to be selling the same stuff so we're all competing against each other by doing it randomly and again another thing we do is we never exclude oversized we actually uh, i have a, a sheet where we we give value to to things right so uh, this one is, for example, you get two points if you're oversized. If you're undersized, you only get one. In this case, in this case, we're favoring oversized items because they have low competi lower competition by default, right? There's, uh, I mean, there's a difference. If you type in Bluetooth speakers or um, queen size mattresses, you're going to see the difference in com the competition. It's because a lot of most people don't not want to get into something that big, uh, and so anyway, that, that's the way we do it. Just randomly, it's a back and forth, right? We grab the ASIN, we we find the highest keyword uh, search volume for that ASIN, and of course, these search volumes are just uh, approximate guesses right now. Uh, then we take that to Amazon and do it again, and do that again, and then whatever product shows up for that. We do a reverse ASIN of that one until we find a gem, something that I never thought of, that there's only, you know, uh, sometimes you can get lucky and get something that has like 40 competitors. So if you do a, a launch with 10 giveaways or 10 rebates, you're, you're on page one uh, automatically. Uh, so those still exist, right? There's millions of sellers, uh, billions of products. But there's still products out there that probably have 20, 30 uh, sellers to, to compete with. 
and it's it's still possible. Yeah, I really like what you're saying there too, because trying to think outside the box when it comes to product research or really anything in digital marketing is a really powerful way to just break yourself out of your own mind, which probably is similar to the brains of everyone else. We've all we've all been taught the same kind of things, right? And so we've been taught to think in certain ways. And sometimes the only way to break out of that is to just completely leave it up to to chance, to just like not let our brains guide the decisions. Mm. So that's a very interesting way to look for products. And for those of you who are using tools that just will like filter, you know, product research tools, like look for products that are, you know, really light to ship and between this price point and this price point and these categories, you can guarantee that there are hundreds, if not thousands of other sellers typing in the exact yeah. same criteria into these tools and the tools are showing the same products to everybody. So um, mm-hmm. very often I've seen it time and time again with those type of products, you see it as a really good opportunity at one point in time. And then two months later, the page one search was also flooded with like 15 new sellers. You know what I mean? So like the life cycle of those kind of products is just so low that I think Quinn's way of thinking outside the box here is really powerful. And just applying that mindset to, to your entire business. How can I add a bit of randomness into my business to potentially come up with a new really good marketing tactic or new idea? Um, and personally, I've been implementing this in my own life and my own business by usually I, I do a weekly planning process and I kind of I have the top three or five things that need to get done that week and I stick to that. But every once in a while, I have like a really good meditation session in the morning where I just have a super locked in meditation and some some crazy idea is going to pop into my head. And I've learned to give myself the space to just whenever that happens, if it's a good enough idea, I'll sit there and think about it. I will drop everything I'm doing for the entire day and I'll focus on executing that idea. So just like instant from a random a random idea that pops into my head, I can actually go and dedicate the time to implementing that and doing it, right? Mm -hmm. And like, I don't want to be doing this all of the time. It's maybe one day every 10 days or one day every 14 days, but allowing myself to just have that inspiration hit and then just go after it and do it has allowed me to come up with some of the most effective either marketing campaigns or operational things I've put in my business or whatever it is um, that I've come up with in the last year or so. So... Yeah, it's an interesting thing to keep in mind. Definitely is. That's that's one thing I got to start doing more, or not more, but I got to start doing it, and it's, it's meditation. Yeah, <laughs> uh, so so powerful. Um, I do twenty minutes every morning uh, for the past like three or four years at least here, probably four years. So wow. it's a very powerful part of keeping my brain in good shape for for just executing a business every single day, keeping my mindset right and uh, keeping stress levels down and everything like that. So can't recommend meditation enough. Even if it's you're just starting five minutes a day with an app like Headspace or something mm-hmm. like that, work your way up to 20 minutes and just with consistency, um, it, it's been one of the best things that I, I do on a daily basis for sure. So Quinn, this has been really valuable episode. There's lots of really actionable golden nuggets in here. So thank you so much for sharing those with the audience uh, and sharing all your secrets. And if people want to learn more about you or reach out to you online, where's the best place for them to do so? Well, uh, thanks for having me. First of all, Danny, it's a pleasure talking to you like, like always. And there's a few places where people can find me. And I have a couple podcasts. I have a podcast as well. I have the QA Selling Online. I uh, also host the uh, Fail Fast podcast. 
um, the prolific zone and that's just a prolific zone.com that's actually came from um, Russell Branson uh, Bronson to uh, the prolific zone where you're just one step before uh, being crazy and so I got that domain uh, <laughs> as soon as he mentioned it and um, that's it yeah I'm on Instagram LinkedIn I'm very big on LinkedIn uh, uh, not not big <laughs> not big on LinkedIn but I'm very active and I have uh, over 15,000 uh, followers and close to 20 connections so um, that's where you can find me and name is Quinn with one N Q-U-I-N Quinn well man this has been super super valuable highly recommend checking out uh, Quinn's podcast um, and I have an episode releasing there soon as well so if you guys can't get enough yeah. of my voice and you just love to hear me talk then head over to Quinn's podcast and go check that one out too so and if you guys want the show notes, any of the resources we mentioned or anything like that is going to be at actualizedfreedom.com. And make sure to subscribe on the YouTube channel. And if you haven't already, go leave a review. You guys are Amazon sellers. You guys are always bugging your customers to go leave reviews. So I'm going to be bugging you guys to leave me reviews. Really love reading um, the reviews, especially when they're five stars. If they're not five stars, then I usually cry myself to sleep. And I, I go home and I just feel really bad about myself. Usually we'll, I'll buy a tub of ice cream and just cry just alone in my room. It's really sad. So make sure you, you leave a five-star review. And uh, I really appreciate it, guys. So until next time, take care and uh, go check out Quinn's stuff. Cheers. For show notes and resources mentioned in this episode, visit KenjiROI.com.